The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remember remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. 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 Father, there's a gap for us right now. We hear the name of Jesus and a lot of other things are responding or the response is different. So, Lord, would you, this Advent season, through your healing power of peace, uh, create in our hearts a response of joy when we hear your name. And so, Father, right now, um, we just commit this time. We want your spirit to speak. Father, we want your truth to be what is held dearly, Father. And I pray that um, you would help us to see a lot in this song of Mary's today. In Jesus' name, amen. This Mary and Elizabeth story is, I believe, um, probably more relevant than most of us in here are going to feel just because of our Christmas traditions, the names of Christmas characters, and we just kind of let it all get watered down and we lose a lot of things. Some denominations have done a great job of telling Mary's story. Other denominations have not done a good job of telling Mary's story. I just want to start out by saying this. Mary was just as real as the person sitting next to you. A lot of times, I think, we project onto people in the scriptures that at some level they were more spiritual than you and I or more heaven than earth than you and I. Like as if Mary hovered when she went places versus actually let her feet touch the ground. Like, Mary was a real woman, and at this phase of her life was most likely just a teenage girl when we meet her. And so I would love for us today to be inspired by Mary's testimony, almost like as if Helen was here last week and shared powerfully her testimony and how we were able to step into Advent with this great sense of hope because of what our sister stood for in the midst of the, the, the ministry in Japan and even the things that she did here in Baltimore. But let me review a little bit of the story that Helen introduced to us last week because as we're taking this Advent journey, I want you guys to notice that we have the two major candles of Advent, but we have little candles along the way because Advent isn't just a Sunday experience, it's a daily experience. 
And what I'm hoping to do is whether it's somebody like Helen last week or me this week, that you can take this and make it a Monday through Saturday experience yourself. Like you and I have to continue to pursue the light in darkness on our normal weekly flow. And so today I want to continue to let us see that in Christ we can experience peace even though there's a lot of storms going on around us. Like they... They, had, they were a part of a dream. Not just the, a dream like they fell asleep and they had a dream, but there was a dream amongst the people of Israel that God was going to do something incredibly powerful in the world. They both held to that. They were both a part of what the prophets had been talking about. They had been thinking and praying. like They knew that when God said something, it was going to be true, but they were in a waiting period. And it had been over 400 years since God had supposedly spoken to a prophet and that prophet then represented. So Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and these other characters of Joseph, they are getting a fresh word from God for the first time in longer than our nation has been a nation, right? There's been a lot of silence. I am grateful that you and I don't have a testimony of God not speaking for a long time. Now, some of us may not have ever felt like we've heard God, but that may be a 25 to 45-year span for many of you. But somebody in your row has a testimony of a recent conversation with God, where God's Spirit can still talk with us. But for Mary and Elizabeth to actually have a conversation with God, even if it was through an angel, it was just not something that was happening in that generation, and it was happening here. They, they were holding on to these promises to Abraham. They were holding on that, that the promise, that the powers in the world were going to be defeated. And it wasn't just powers like Rome. There was powers in prayers of the prophets that, that slavery and oppression and lack of food, like hunger, like there's so many prophecies that were kind of becoming true that there was going to be peace on earth, even so much that lions and lambs could lay down together. Like there is, that is a peace beyond most of our understanding. And they were holding on to this. Mary and Joseph had this. Mary and Joseph and, and Elizabeth and Zechariah, they had a theology, a belief in God that when he spoke and said that something was going to be peaceful, they believed that it actually was going to happen. Now, for you and I, we many times will say, well, God said this, and then we come up with a lot of reasons why it's not going to happen. Like as if we got to protect God so that he can remain truthful. But that's not the posture that they had. They continued to walk as if God was going to defeat bullies. They lived every day with bullies, but they knew that he was going to overcome those forces. Mary and Elizabeth knew that, they, that even under the powerful oppression of King Herod, that tortured people just for entertainment, that even in the midst of that era and time that God was going to cause all of that to cease. And so much of that was talked about in the poem and the songs from last week. And so this song is now flowing um, over and over and over again in the rich history and the prophecies that we don't have a, a lot of time to go through. But it was bringing an end to the 400 years of silence. It was bringing this idea in a fresh way that our belief in God is what brings faith that saves us. That's what the last verse last Sunday talks about, that if we hold on to our belief, 
that there is a salvation that comes. But in today's verses, this is something that I want us to see. This is very basic. This is one of the most famous songs in Christianity. What happens when something becomes famous and something becomes a story that everybody is always told? It, the danger is, is that it just becomes, oh yeah. It just, it's like there's no power in it. Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it a thousand times. I, I'm no longer drawn in to the truth that could be there. It just rolls off of our lips like a Charlie Brown Christmas special where like, oh, I have it on my calendar to watch, but when I'm watching, I'm actually doing something else because I can quote the film, right? We're not drawn into it like we were the first time as a child. And this song of Mary is powerful. It has um, been whispered in monasteries. It's been chanted in cathedrals for generations. It's been recited in churches by candlelight in order to help people to see what is the peaceful power of God that's meant to come into the world. The thing that I love about this passage of Scripture, too, that Sarah read to us, the story of Mary's response is that no matter where we are on the Advent journey, it could apply to every Sunday. It's full of hope, it's full of peace, it's full of joy, and it's full of love. And so to, to, to try to hone it into just a week on peace almost feels like I'm doing it a disservice because it could be something for those of you that are struggling in hope and peace and joy and love. You could just marinate on that, meditate on it, let it get into you this, this Advent season, and that might just be the best thing for your soul. The thing I love too about Mary in this passage, it's the gospel before the gospel. Now, some of you are like, well, what does that mean? Before you take me out to some theological whooping bench, I just want you guys to understand Jesus hasn't died yet. Jesus hasn't even been born yet. And she's talking about the things that we proclaim as good news today because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. She's already announcing a good news She's already announcing that, that 30 years prior to Calvary, the things that Calvary was going to be setting free, Jesus is actually about 30 weeks from being born at the same time, which is crazy. It's all about God, and it's all about the revolution that he's bringing against sin and injustice in the world. This is where Mary's song is. And, and it's all because of Jesus is what she's saying. I want, you, I want us to see that even in Helen's story last week, it was redundantly about the power of Jesus. It was redundantly that Jesus was meeting in her, in her loneliness. It was redundant that Jesus was the reason why she needed community. There's so much in her story last week that is so relevant to the Christmas journey, but it all comes back to Jesus. It has not anything to do with us. Jesus is a gift to us because he can do it all, and we just need to be caught up in him. Jesus was who's, who's literally only been conceived and not born yet, but Elizabeth's baby is leaping for joy just being close to him. There's a power in Jesus that I'm hoping that those of you that have been skeptical of him, that you will get caught up into his presence and that you will see in your spirit why the leaping is a response that we can have. Um, also kind of as a part of this, and I'm, I'm popping here. Let me see if my microphone is... Uh, well, it just sounds like candlelight fire, like a fireplace in the background, right? So just imagine a big hearth behind me with fireplace in it, and that would be what that sound is. But 
It's all because of Jesus. And yes, Mary is going to learn what it's like to become a mom. She, in her songs and in the words about her, there's, there's moments in her life that are going to feel like a sword that pierces her soul. Um, some of us in this room, the last couple weeks around our children, and even some of the smallest one in our church, knows what it feels like when a child is in distress and what that feels like as a parent. Um, some of you have caused your parents to feel that on many occasions, and it is a real thing. But Mary was about ready to know what it felt like as a parent to be pierced in her soul. She was going to come to a moment in her life when Jesus was 12 years of age that she was going to lose him for three days. Just imagine that as a parent. You have no idea where your child is for three days. And I should probably say this to this side of the room because this is most of our gallery kids' parents. Some of you might be like, yes! <laughs> wow, Lord, what a gift, right? But the, the biggest part is if you have no idea where your child is and they're gone for three days, then there's a huge amount of stress in that. And she was going to experience that. She was also going to experience what it's like for a parent to think that your child has lost his mind. When Jesus was 30 years old, Mary showed up with some of the other family and wanted to pull Jesus out of the environment where he was because she literally had thought that he had, had gone off the rails. There's been moments as a parent where myself, I won't speak for my wife, where I've thought my kids are off the rails and I was wrong. Um, and my kids love to remind me of those moments, Right? <laughs> But Mary knew what it was like to feel like that their child was out of step. That doesn't mean that Jesus wasn't perfect, which makes it even worse. All right? But, but she will also know the despair of what it was like to not see Jesus for three days after his brutal death, right? Could you imagine being there at the foot of a cross, looking at somebody that you love, especially a child? I mean, I just want you to identify with Mary's testimony. But what is she announcing here? One of the things that she's announcing is that Jesus is still the Prince of Peace. Are those four categories that I just shared with you saying that Mary had a peaceful life? Mary did not have a peaceful life. She went through a lot of things that we could spend a lot of time. We're going to talk about a few things again here in just a minute. But all of us who sing her songs should remember these things too. But the moment of triumph will return with Easter and Pentecost, and this time it won't be taken away. I want us to see this just for a minute, because the waiting is where you and I struggle. We want everything to be true now and for there not to feel any struggle at all. And if there is a struggle, then we don't think that God really is keeping his word. And I just want to say, if Mary was here, she could share all of her struggles with you, even the times where she thought that Jesus was off course, and she could share that with us, but she could still proclaim truthfully that she was at peace because that she knew the Prince of Peace. And somehow in our thinking many times, we lose sight of where the real peace comes from, and we've got to be careful of this. So why did Mary launch into such a song when she was in the presence of Elizabeth in the midst of all of this? What has this new baby's birth got to do with God's strong power overcoming structures? Remember, she's a teenage girl, and she's announcing that God is going to be turning over all of these power structures. So what in the world can we learn from her? Number one is this. God has taken the initiative. How many of you in here know what it feels like for somebody to initiate love towards you? Would you just raise your hand with me? 
I want you to think about this. I mean, you know, like the person like just randomly just initiated love. That feels really good, right? Most of us would rather somebody initiate love to us than for us to be the initiators, right? Because the, the, the posture that we always have is, man, I really wish the pastor would call me, right? Or I really wish that, my, that such and such person would reach out to me. And the posture is, is I really wish somebody else would initiate. Can I just tell you this? Somebody else did. Somebody else did initiate. And that's what Mary is so excited about because she's the conduit of that initiation. Like, she's aware that all of the promises and the hopes and everything that's been spoken of is now in her. And she's beginning to feel the life of Christ in a way that many of us in here would, would just love to have a chance to experience that. But yet she's announcing that God has taken the initiative, that the rescue mission is happening. Like she is beginning to see and understand that that mission of salvation, that the powers that are in power, that the one coming from out of her is going to just destroy all of that. God has taken initiation, initiative to pursue us in Christ. And the other thing that I think is giving her so much joy that I think many times is overlooked is that she now has a very clear vocation. Could, could she not be more confident in what her life purpose is? Now, I think this might be a struggle for some of us in this room, is that we're great that God initiates, but we have no idea what our value of our life is. Like, why do I exist? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Well, the one thing that I think that you can learn from Mary is that she was given a vocation, and if God loved her and he loves us like he loved her, then God has something for you and I too. There's something very special that he wants us to do, and Mary is about to be the mother of the promise that, Jesus, that God is keeping. Mary was going to be the one that was going to bring Christ into the world, but with her vocation, it wasn't all easy, and I want you guys to see this. Being a pregnant teenage girl and going up to your friends saying, I haven't had sex, but I'm having a baby. Imagine what that would be like for a teenage girl. They were not better citizens than you and I. And if one of the youngest kids in our church were to come in pregnant and they were to say, yeah, I didn't have sex, but I'm having a baby. The power eye rolls that you would give them the stories, like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, well, God bless, yes, I'm sure God touched you. Can you believe that she's telling that story? You know, imagine what it would have been like for her and her reputation. What did she endure in order to be the initiating conduit of God's love for the world? Mary, can I just tell you this, was poor. So if some of you in here right now consider yourself financially poor, can I tell you, you're in good company? Now, that doesn't mean that we as a church should be like, oh, we're glad you're poor. R relate to Mary. Good luck, right? Because for those of us that are rich, did we not hear in Mary's song about the dangers of being rich and not being one that's compassionate about other people? There's a whole other set of sermon in here that we could go for in this. But the, 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 the concept for today, though, in order for us to understand peace, is that Mary knew financial struggle. 
We even look in the Gospels to find out that Mary and Joseph offering in the temple were the two doves, which is what was the approved offering of the poor. So we know that even by the time they were going to the temple to make sacrifices at the age of 12, Jesus grew up considered poor. He couldn't even offer the real goat at the time of the temple sacrifice. Mary was also responsible to nurture Jesus and most likely his brothers and sisters. Now imagine what that would have been like to actually be holding and watching the Savior of the world grow to be an adult and being responsible for taking care of him. And can I remind you guys, Rome was still in power. Herod was still trying to kill the babies under the age of two, we hear in the, in the gospel accounts. Like her job of protecting this child wasn't just, oh, let me just go take a stroll down the streets of Bethlehem. Let me just, hey guys, look, I, I, I'm, I'm, God is initiating his love to us. Like they had to run and hide and she had to protect him. How many times was a soldier walking by that she would have to figure out a way of quieting him? Made me think a lot of about the stories that we've heard of how Jewish people tried to keep children silent during the Holocaust hiding themselves from the oppressive regimes that were coming to take them away. Mary would have known what it was like to say, Jesus, shh. She was also a teacher to Christ. She did teach him. I mean, he was a child. He was in flesh and blood. I don't think that even when he couldn't speak that he was talking, like as if it was a cartoon animated baby Jesus where he could pull out his pacifier and say, well, mom, you need to be at peace. Let me touch this. We need more bread. Let me touch that, right? He was, he was still a child. He needed to be taught. And the things that I love, and if we had time to go through this, when you look at Mary's song, Mary blesses the holy name of God and asks God to fill the hungry. Then Jesus teaches what when he starts to talk Hallow God's name, praise for daily bread, and blesses the hungry. Mary being poor, so Jesus blesses the poor, opens banquet tables to the poor. Mary is a widow, so Jesus frequently shows mercy to widows. Mary prays for the powerful to be stripped of their unjust powers, so Jesus regularly tussles with the unjust powers of his day. Mary's song emphasizes God's mercy and compassion, so Jesus is known for his mercy and his compassion. Mary owns the prayer for Israel's redemption and is seen in Jesus' prayer over Jerusalem when he wept. I believe that Mary had an incredible impact on our Lord Jesus Christ. She owned her vocation. She was resolute in knowing what God had said to her, and she was going to see it through. And I believe that you and I can learn that from her. We must conclude that Mary took this role, this responsibility, this vocation seriously. So how do you and I have peace that's displayed in Mary? That's the question for today. Like, it's good for me to tell you all the stuff that Mary went through, but what is the relevance for us? Let me, let me try to make this clear. How do we have peace that's displayed in Mary? We must join the countless brothers and sisters before us in the truth that our Father in heaven is faithful in his promises. That is the flat-out starting point for you and I. If you walk out of the doors, whether towards the elevator or towards the stairwell, and you walk out of here questioning whether or not God is going to keep his word, then you are already setting yourself up for spiritual failure as soon as you get to the street. But Mary knew 
that God was going to keep his promise and she did not need to put God on a timer. Well, God, if you're going to keep your promise, you need to do it by Wednesday at two in the afternoon. Because come two in the afternoon, if you haven't done what you're supposed to do, I'm out. She didn't have that posture. Mary had this posture that she was going, that she was going to see God's faithfulness. And even if she didn't see it, God was going to be faithful. And that is an incredibly important foundation stone for us is that God is faithful to his promises. And the second thing is that we, you and I, we have a vocation as well. There is something that each one of us is supposed to do. We must be passing the good news of God's saving love on as Mary did. That is our number one vocation. Paul told the church in Galatia, don't forsake your calling. Paul told the church in Ephesus, make sure you don't lose that first love. He told the church in Rome, make sure that you don't stop announcing good news. It is redundant in the early church that the, all of the pastors like myself or the apostles or anybody that was responsible for any city from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, that pastor's responsibility, that teacher's responsibility was to not just announce the good news, but was to tell other people, it is now your job to announce good news. So whether you are a surgeon or you are an administrator or you work for the government or you work in the private sector or you're looking for a job, your vocation has nothing to do with what pays your bills. Your vocation has everything to do with what has God asked me to do. And the number one thing that he's asked for all of us to do, including Mary, was to announce good news. So if you are wondering, why do I have the job that I have? It's to announce good news. Why do I live in the building that I live in? It's to announce good news. Why do I take the bus to work every day? It's to announce good news. Why do I shop at the same grocery store every week? It's because it's an opportunity for me to announce good news. Why do I like the Ravens? Because it's an opportunity for you to announce good news, right? It's no matter, whatever it is that you're... We have the opportunity through the hobbies that we have, the sports teams that we're interested in, through the, the, our favorite place to hang out with friends outside of our homes, no matter where we go, the Lord has placed people around us that are watching us, that are understanding that you have faith in Christ and they are wanting to know why you have faith in Christ and that's what we've been asked to do. And even though Mary has so many other things, the two things that you and I can relate to her, with is that God is faithful to his promises and you and I have the same vocation that Mary did. You and I must continue to announce good news. Mary's song is not just a fact for us to memorize. It is a reminder that God is keeping his promises to us and that each of us has a special calling to do what Mary did and that is to go, as we sang earlier, to tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the way we're going to end our gathering today, um, because I, like I said, when I, we lit the peace candle, I'm not sure where your storms are. Some of you, it's illnesses. Some of you have gotten news of physical troubles that you need healing. Some of you have, you look forward to the Christmas time, um, like you look forward to paying your taxes because you know you got to hang out with people that you're not in peace with. There might be family members, a sibling, a parent that you're struggling, that you know you're getting ready for and your spirit is in turmoil. There's a lot of different things that can be happening. But Maddie and Andrew are going to play and we're going to remain seated until you want to come to the Lord's table. 
But one of the things that we've done today is, is that we've included a prayer on the slides that are going to be up while they're playing. And it's going to be a prayer about us wanting to experience the peace of God. The prayer is simply this, Father, please hear my prayer as I light this candle that stands before me. I see that it burns restlessly, sometimes with a small flame and sometimes with a larger flame. Lord, I too am often restless. Let me find my rest and peace in you. Show me and then finish the sentence. Where do you need his peace? And so we've got candles um, at the Lord's table that you can go to and pray this prayer and light a candle and just take a minute because some of us need the physical reminder to go along with the spiritual truth. Others of you are going to want to stay in your seat and just pray, and that is okay. We, I would encourage you to pray. I would also encourage you to take a step of faith and say, Lord, I really want to walk and announce good news with my life, but this is really holding me back. And so there's two things that are going to be going on at the Lord's table at the same time, and I'm praying that you guys can work it out as you do. If you're a guest of ours, we come to the Lord's table in groups. We want to speak the words at the table, and we want need to hear the words at the table. And so there are words on the table that will help you know what to do with the bread and the cup as we take the body and remember it being broken, and we dip it in the cup to remember that, 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 that his blood was poured out for our sins. But then we also take time to announce the good news that even though Christ has died, Christ is coming again, all right? And so today, I hope that makes sense to you. We want it to be a prayerful, worshipful time. Logistically, though, the, the matches that we have make a lot of smoke. And so I'm going to ask all of you, pay attention to this, please do not blow it out. There's a water jar on the table. You can just put it in, in the flame, and it will keep the fire alarm from going off please. We just need to make sure of that. So if you light it, light the candle and then place it in the water without shaking it or blowing it out. That would be fantastic. Let me pray. Father, would you help us through this prayer activity to step into your peace? Father, we are looking for peace. Father, there are too many places where there's so much restlessness and unrest and so, Father, today, could we continue to worship and experience the Prince of Peace? Bring healing, Father, where people need healed, mentally, emotionally, physically, relationally, Lord. But, Father, we thank you for the table. We thank you for Christ's example, for his body broken and his blood poured out for us. Father, we thank you that Christ is coming again. And so, Lord, let us not get distracted. Lord, we want, we want our eyes fixed on what is true and what is right. And we thank you for the gift of Christ. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, you may remain seated during this time, but we also do want to invite you to move to the table when you're ready and also to take an opportunity to pray. If you need to pray with somebody, there are some of our prayer team around that would be happy to pray with you if you need somebody to pray specifically for you.